0: This episode of the Happy Hour is brought to you by Video Games Monthly. Video Games Monthly is a monthly subscription service that delivers retro video games right to your door. VGM is a must for gamers who own classic gaming systems from the 80s to the 2000s. VGM offers 3, 4, and even 10 game subscriptions for the NES, SNES, Nintendo 64, Sega Genesis, and now both Game Boy and Game Boy Color. And best of all, you keep the games. Every month, they send out a variety of well-known retro favorites and the unique ones to make sure you consistently get a well-rounded gaming experience. Take a look at their website at www.videogamesmonthly.com to sign up for a monthly variety of retro video games. And remember to tell them that the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. My name is Johnny Womack, and I'm part of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. We are a twice weekly podcast dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays for your listening pleasure. The audio you're about to hear is Deuce and I live from Free Play Florida, the largest retro video gaming convention. And we want to give a big shout out to Brian Jones, the co founder and creator of Free Play Florida. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce live from Free Play Florida. Hello Internets, my name is Johnny Womack of course I'm a main man Deuce. What's going on brother? Hey man, of course this is the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. We are a twice weekly podcast dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays for your listening pleasure. And of course,
1: where are we today Deuce? We're at Free Play Florida live here in Orlando as the official podcast. It's been a great weekend so far. We've been having a lot of fun and it's been really amazing so far.
0: Yeah, it's an awesome, it's over at the Doubletree, Hilton by Hilton, and uh, over here by SeaWorld, so come on, check it out, and uh, tell them the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce with, uh, sent you. So, uh, we are here by an awesome guy, his name is Richie Knuckles. Welcome to the uh, Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, sir. Hello! You. Wow! You set the new record on the Happy Hour Johnny Deuce. I don't know, Deuce. man. You
1: beat him a couple times. Yeah, you, I could have went longer, but
2: you guys were rolling your eyes. Yeah,
0: that's what she said. So it's all good. Uh, anyway, so what do you do, sir? For those that don't know you,
2: I have an arcade in Flemington, New Jersey. I always, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not scared to toot my own horn. But the arcades at my place, all the games are very clean. Uh, I try to make all of the controls work perfectly. Uh, the pinballs all are. You know shiny and bright and clean and we do a I've been to many arcades and a lot of arcades can boast that they have the most games that they have the best variety but almost anywhere you go a lot of the controls don't work the screens are just not crisp and at my place we try to give the experience of the games being perfect and that's what I maintain a very high quality
1: yeah you were telling me last night you're a very big purist like you were telling me like there's certain things that are no-nos on machines and you won't have them in your shop. I have, like I'm i a
2: stickler about like the color of the to- team molding, the color of the sure, buttons, yeah.
1: the original joystick being
2: proper, like in a System 1 Atari game that is like Marble Madness, that's Road Blasters. Sorry, and Road Blasters has a steering wheel. Sorry, System 1, like games, the you need an Atari joystick that actually has the Atari, it's called the Logo Stick. So it sure. actually says Atari on the ball. Definitely. Stuff like that. Little, little minute details that a lot of people wouldn't really pay attention to that we pay attention to.
0: Yeah. Uh, So how long have you been gaming for?
2: I'm 47 and...
0: Since the inception of video games, essentially.
2: Yeah. uh, Well, started out, Space Invaders was rolled into the bowling alley where I was really into bowling because my father... I always wanted to make my dad proud. So uh, we always bowled. And I can remember the day they wheeled Space Invaders into the bowling alley and uncrated it in front of us. And Monaco GP, the mini... That was rolled in at the very same time. So both those two games opened up were opened up in front of us as, as like eleven year old kids. And funny thing is, I have the world record on both games: Monaco GP and Space Invaders. Congrats. Show the Space Invaders. Yeah, I got a Space that. Invaders tattoo. Yeah. Oh, whoa! That's yeah. awesome.
0: If you go onto uh, Google and just search Space Invaders
2: world record, you'll see my funny face.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So of course, uh, Space Invaders really got popular. Um, 1978 and 1979 is when they pretty much, America itself, it took by storm. Because up until that point, when it was video games, a lot of it, when you thought of video games, it really wasn't like it is now. It was kind of more PC. They were kind of working on different things and whatnot. Because 1975, the um, uh, Ralph Bear, the Magnavox Odyssey came out uh, for the home console. And that still hadn't hit uh, the generation of people. And it wasn't until the arcades really took off that people were like, all right, gaming is legit form of fun. And so uh, Space Invaders was an awesome uh, awesome arcade cabinet. And of course, it's synonymous for arcades. And we're here at Free Play Florida. And of course, this is what it's all about, celebrating the retro gaming, the games that you grew up loving, the nostalgia there, yeah. and whatnot. So my question to you is, like, once you progressed from Space Invaders, where did it go from there? Like, you had Space Invaders, and then was there another like cabinet like Donkey Kong yeah, or anything yeah, like yeah, that?
2: Yeah, uh, I have about seven Galaga. world records. In the uh, Twin Galaxies database, uh, Guinness recognized, of course, the Space Invaders world record, but I'm also the guy, first person ever crossed the million point mark in Phoenix.
0: Nice. I don't know if you remember Phoenix. I've played Phoenix, yep.
2: Yeah, and unfortunately, there's not a Phoenix here, or else I'd show you some tricks. But Phoenix was a game that I played like crazy, and Pole Position. Pole Position, I have the best score in the last 30 years. I have not been able to beat the world record, but I'm very close.
0: So how does that work for you? Do you, like, is it all muscle memory, or is it just, like... Does all I, this practice?
2: Uh, it depends. Uh, Space Invaders is all memory. Uh, pole Position is just flat-out skill. Phoenix is just flat-out skill. It's just a barrage. You can make the the birds do certain things by doing certain things, but it isn't a pattern. It's still, you know, just straight-up hand-eye coordination. Sure. But there are games like Pac-Man, uh, you know, certain games that you if you could memorize a certain pattern, you could beat the game. But most of the games I play aren't like that.
0: Now, have you uh played any console gaming
2: yeah well as a kid of course uh i had the atari 2600 i played berserk space invaders uh all of those games um, the activision games of course like pitfall definitely activision those games were great a uh, yar's revenge loved it and then i guess right around when the nes came out i got really into Mike Tyson's Punch-Out?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not called that now, but yes, back in the day, when it actually had Mike Tyson. when I played it, it was Mike Tyson's,
2: not uh, Mr. Dream or whatever. Yeah. I played that game like crazy, and then right around that time, I'd say, when people started talking about Zelda and all that, I discovered girls. (laughs) And I departed. And I don't think I played a video game for 20 years in that stretch because I got into music, I got into, of course, being a player.
0: Sure, yeah. And then,
2: uh, I came back, you know. Yeah. I got divorced recently, and uh, when I got divorced, then I found my roots. You know, you're 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 40-something. You have a pool table. You have a bar. You have, you know, uh, what else do, you, do do people have in their? Uh, I don't like. I hate the word man cave. Yeah. But I'll say something else. Like in their home game room, sure. a, a home theater system. Sure. And me, I had a bunch of video games in the basement, so you know, I just started playing them again.
0: and and it's fun yeah so now where was where we're at uh, was it in Flemington Flemington yeah Yeah. okay Flemington New Jersey yeah
2: they did a movie about what I do it's called The King of Arcades
0: oh awesome how can they find that how can we find the video
2: it's on uh, it's everywhere on the internet Uh, thekingofarcades.com sure uh, Amazon I think we sell like about five a day on Amazon Uh, if you're in Europe I don't know if your your show reaches across the pod yeah we we reach all across the world in Europe it's on iTunes Mm -hmm. uh For the United States, we haven't secured distribution yet for the United States, but we have Netflix streaming in our back pocket, but we're just waiting until we get a better deal because Netflix streaming is great for exposure, but you get nothing in your pocket.
0: Sure, sure, yeah.
2: Um, Like I said, kingofarcades.com, you can watch the trailer, and uh, we're working on a TV show. Uh, A pilot is out, which I can't share with you quite yet, but the pilot is really good. But he do saw
1: it. Yep, yep. I saw it last nice, night in the hotel nice, room. Nice. It, was, it was really, really good cool. Times, like I times. really, really dug it. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Which, how much fun has it been rooming with me, Richie?
2: <laughs> I love Deuce. Deuce, <laughs> deuce is my new BFF. You wouldn't, with a name like that, you would think I'd complain about rooming with him because you know he dropped a really mean Deuce. But that's not the fact. The reason why it's a pain in the ass rooming with him is because he snores like a freaking bear. <laughs> I know. I, he, he saw me this morning. I had a pillow.
1: Like he tent had two over pillows my head. TP'd over his head <laughs> to So I got try to hear I
2: actually was looking For duct tape So I could rack Duct tape And two pillows Around my head So I could get some sleep Oh my goodness but there was no Duct tape in the room
0: <laughs> Well it's funny Because whenever we I come over to, We have our other studio uh, Studio South I guess yeah, we call it, South. Over at his place And like He has a guest bedroom He's like Alright if we're gonna crash Go in there, shut the door, turn the fan on, because you'll hear Deuce in the other room yeah, and the yeah. Other, yeah, I'm
1: sleeping. It's My so girlfriend loud. says it's like I'm screaming. She's yeah. like, I don't know how you do it, but it's like you're screaming <laughs> when you're me. asleep.
2: He warned me, and I was like, oh, I can sleep through anything. And then when he actually did snore, I, I've never heard anybody snore like that before. <laughs> it's actually, let, let me see if I can imitate it. You ready? <laughs> 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 and then a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's insane. And I could handle it if it was a co- a constant rhythm that I could count, like, one, two, three, four. <laughs> uh, one, two, three, four. <laughs> but it's not. It's all over the place. So I couldn't. Yeah. I, I was trying to. T- it was never tr- gets in a rhythm. I try yeah. to record it and
1: make a ringtone, but I could, <laughs> I could never get him to set up. I think tonight you've got to do that. You've yeah. got to tape me, and then that'll be my ringtone on your yeah. phone.
0: For sure, for sure. So, do you play any pinball cabinets? Oh yeah, yeah. I was just,
2: I am honored. My man Jack Winary, he has the new Wizard of Oz, uh, Jersey Jack pinball, and I got from him the Emerald City edition, limited edition, one of one, the Richie Knuckles edition in my arcade. Nice. That pinball machine is my right now my prized possession. My daughter Faith is nine. And she and I play it back and forth, and she's just as good as I am. She's knows how to grab and do all the tricks. She's great, and uh, we both play that, like, seriously. Uh, Pinbot I have at my arcade. I love Pinbot. That's a classic. I have the new Metallica. Metallica, that's a, one's a lot of fun. And for old school, I have a Kiss, the original nice, Kiss. Nice, nice. I actually, you'll, you'll like this. I made a mod for my Kiss machine because we put the Kiss machine right next to the Metallica. The Metallica cranks out Metallica songs while you're playing. The Kiss goes bing, 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 bing. bing, bing. So I bought one of those Raspberry Pis. I taught myself a little bit of Linux. I wrote a program so that I can run switches in parallel. Say you drop all four guys, Gene, Paul, Ace, and uh, Chris, then all of a sudden it triggers On the raspberry pi a kiss song detroit rock city all of a sudden here or if you hit just one target you'll hear
0: something like that nice
2: and i made a mod to my kiss pinball so that it actually plays kiss songs with using a raspberry pi they're not for sale i just did it for myself my own personal enjoyment but a friend of mine has a Ted Nugent pinball, and oh, he hired sweet. me to do the same, sure. but with Cat Scratch Fever and, you know, songs like that. Nice. That's awesome.
0: So uh, the reason why I bring up pinball is because I always feel like the arcade guys. I, one second. Can sure. I, can I try it yeah. one more time? Sure. So my, yeah. my,
2: th- my voice broke. Woo! Yeah. There you go. There you there go. There. go. Very, thank good. Good. Thank very, good. very good. good.
0: Very good. Very yeah. good. Uh, I always feel like uh, <laughs> when I talk to our people that play arcades and people that play pinball, it's almost like Coke or Pepsi, like Nike or Reebok. Nah. People are like, usually they're like, all right, this is my jam, and they don't usually cross promote. It's changed a lot.
2: Yeah, in my place, I have 25 pinball machines and 70 arcade games.
0: Nice, nice.
2: Yes, we're a little video heavy, but the people that come in cross over. There aren't people that come in that only play video, there aren't people that come in that only play pinball. If you make the pinball experience really interesting for the video players, they start to convert. If you make the video experience really. Immersive and great For the pinball players Then they'll come over So I don't really see that Polarism that you're talking about Okay But I have heard You are correct That there is that Polarizing effect But not in my world Sure Just like You hear This whole Weird Thing that I get Pulled into This whole girl Drama That women aren't What do you say Uh, I I don't even want to say anything To offend anyone But that women are Not You know represented in the gaming community well that is so bs in my arcade i'd say 65 percent of the patrons at my arcade are women nice Oh wow and they come in and they play competitive i have a nine-year-old daughter that's all i have i have one daughter my little baby girl and she is good at all the games so there is no stereotype or there is no
1: sexism sexism anything like that
2: towards girls that come in and play i don't even know what these people are talking about in my arcade in new jersey where we're at The girls are as good as the guys, if not better, at most of the pinball games. The arcade games, you know, guys sort of dominate. But, hey, that could change.
0: Well, my question to you, too, is because something like Free Play Florida, you know, you're hitting the people that grew up during these games. You're hitting a new generation of fans. Like, you in the arcade business as well. Like, what type of age groups do you see coming into uh, your... Mostly
2: people my age with their kids between 8 to 10, 8 to 12, uh, showing their kids an experience that is truly 80s. Not something that like Dave and Buster's, which there's nothing wrong with. I, I, I understand the the concept of redemption and wanting a prize. Sure. Uh, but the authentic '80s experience is what I try to provide, and it's mostly people like I said in their 30s and 40s bringing their children in to experience what a true '80s arcade is like. Deuce is doing his thing. Deuce, you can hear him in the background. Start at 1:30. Gary Stern up front, live podcast. That's what we're doing right now. And then 2 o'clock in the Q&A room. Yep. You don't want to miss that.
0: Don't forget to tell him that
2: Deuce sent
3: you. All right, that was the
2: play-by-play.
0: There you go. He's doing the play-by-play for you, Deuce, uh, because this is a live podcast, too, so it's a meta. It's a podcast within a podcast. really meta, yeah. Yeah, We just looked into Infinity. Yeah, we did. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have, like, a favorite... um, moment that you want to share like throughout your history because obviously there's some crazy things that happen yes, when you meet. I people. do, I do, yeah, I do.
2: Uh, Walter Day is the founder of Twin Galaxies and he had a I guess it's called a an exhibit. And it was an exhibit for all the artwork of the video games and the trading cards. And my daughter had played Leprechaun, which is a an arcade game from the Golden Era, but it's a children's arcade game. It's a Moppet. And she had played it for six hours straight at six years old. And she had, like, so many lives she could have kept playing. And our arcade is open for approximately six hours, so it was time to close the doors. She said, Dad, I want to go for the world record. And she was six years old, five, six years old. What father lets his daughter play a video game for six hours straight? You can't. right? Because you're a bad dad. Yeah. So I had to stop her. I couldn't stop her. I couldn't pull off the machine because she goes, I didn't get the world record yet. And I, I lied. It was one of those moments the father had to tell a white lie to his daughter. And I said, honey, you got the world record hours ago. And she goes, I did? I go, yeah, you're just crushing the guy that you beat. And unfortunately, the guy she had to beat is a grown man playing a children's game. It's ridiculous. A grown man in yeah. his 30s playing a children's game that anyone could really play forever. But a six-year-old kid... Yeah. You know that's what it's for sure so i lied to her and i told her she got the world record which she believes to this day that she did walter day put her on a trading card the youngest person to ever be on a trading card and honored her at this event in iowa she and i got in a car we made a road trip out to iowa she got on stage i didn't talk her to her six years old i didn't coach her she got up on stage in front of maybe 400 people maybe a little more, and gave an acceptance speech. Oh, wow. And it brought tears to my eyes, because she said, and I could probably remember it verbatim, she said, I want to thank Walter Day for giving me this award, coming out here to this event, is more than just about playing video games and our accomplishments of video games, it's about the community and the friends I get to make. She pointed her friends out in the audience and said, I love coming to these events with my dad because I get to see old friends and I make new. It blew my mind that this little girl, six years old with in front of an audience, off the top of her head, rattled off this acceptance speech that I could never have topped. That's awesome, and I got goosebumps. She's not talking.
0: Yeah, about no, it. I can see it. That's that's <laughs> crazy. That's awesome, though. That and is
2: probably my proudest moment.
0: I think that's what's great about gaming in general is like it, it connects so many people because like it's a. Because always Deuce and I always talk about this. Deuce and I are th- we're in our thirties, and we always like feel like, you know, adult. The society tells you you have to grow up and you have to do certain things. You have to be married by a certain age. You have to have a kid. You have to do certain things. Stop. Gaming is just like a, you know, a young kid thing, and like when you get to a certain age, you've got to stop doing it. And Deuce and I are just like, you know what? Screw it. This is what we want to do, and we've realized we're not the only ones that have passions for this. And you come to a place like Free Play Florida where it's just an amalgamation of all ages and all likes and all walks of life, and it's awesome feeling and awesome experience. So once again, how do people find you, your arcade?
2: Well... Again, thekingofarcades.com is for the movie, and the movie is exactly what you just spoke of. It's more of a celebration of somebody chasing their dreams and doing what they enjoy for a living versus doing something just for a paycheck. Yeah. Uh You can find me there. Of course, my website is very, very, very poor because I have more orders than I can keep up with, so I'm not really worried about advertising. But, of course, I do have richynuckles.com. I'm a big Facebook user. I enjoy on the iPhone, uploading pictures and stuff like that. So on Facebook, if you look up, just Richie Knuckles with a Z. K-N-U-C-K-L-E. Z is in zebra. That's another way. And, uh, of course, YouTube. Just search my name in YouTube. You'll see video walkthroughs of the arcade. You'll see videos of me doing silly shit. You know, just stuff like that.
0: How do they spell Richie? Excuse me? How do you spell Richie?
2: R-I-C-H-I-E.
0: Okay, awesome. So definitely... Yeah, there's uh, no T. No T in there. No T.
2: That's Lionel Richie. In fact, my... Uh, if you call my phone, it's uh, Brian Sarah from uh, Arrested Development, and he says on it, he goes, uh, Hey, this is uh, George Michael from Arrested Development, and you've reached Richie Knuckles' Arcade Games. That's nice. what's on my voicemail That's right awesome. now. Wow. But cool. I am going to erase it because it's been there for about two years. I'm going to put a sample of Lionel Richie, and it's going to go, Hello, is it me you're looking for? <laughs> That's my new one.
0: <laughs> I like that one. That's I awesome. I like that one a you lot. You have a really good voice. Thank like, you. What, you said Thank you're you. into music. Like, what do you... I am a singer in a band. I awesome. sing for a
2: band called Knuckle Sandwich. That's where I got my name, Richie Knuckles. Oh, awesome.
0: Yeah. What yeah. type of music?
2: We were uh, sort of like a faith no more meets bad religion, I oh, guess. Oh, okay. Awesome. A little bit of heavy metal in there, like old 80s rock. Sure. Got that, the element of Motley Crue in there, That's you know, awesome. some Slayer, you know, stuff like that. That's awesome. And it's a very weird eclectic mix. We played with... Uh, that band, before they got really, really, really big, uh, Catch-22, their sure. Scott wow. yeah. band. We yeah. used to play with them. I actually gave them their start. They played a few shows for me. At my, I used to be a promoter, and they always would say that my band is very eclectic, very That's eclectic awesome. mix. But you can find our songs on uh, YouTube. We, uh, I actually covered one of Walter Day's songs. Walter Day wrote a song called uh, uh, Easier Said Than Done. And I wrote a new chorus for it and, uh, sorry, a new bridge for it and recorded that. So I cover a Walter Day song. Nice. It's on YouTube. You just look up Richie Knuckles, uh, easier said than done. Awesome.
0: So we want to thank Richie Knuckles for joining us on the Happy Hour with Johnny yeah, News.
2: Thanks
1: for putting up with my snoring.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you're a great guy, and there's nothing you could really do that would piss me off, man. I'm, we're BFFs. Right on,
1: brother. There you go. And hopefully we can get you
0: in uh, on our show again in the future. i do love We do a lot of Google Hangout stuff uh, on the computer, and it's almost like you're in the studio. The sound quality is awesome. Yeah, I'd love so. to. I'd love so. to. And
2: I, I'm very – I like – the whole element of off-the-cuff and uh, improv. Sure. Like, yeah. you know, bouncing jokes just off sure. each like yeah. That. Yeah. that. Just riffing. It, just riffing. Yeah. That's yeah. what I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully uh, I did a good job for you guys and we could riff again.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much. And uh, d- tell them when you go down to Flemington you, uh, in his arcade, tell them the happy hour with Johnny do and Deuce you? You? Happy
2: hour. <laughs>
1: and it is an honor and a
4: privilege to have you on sir thank you very much it's a privilege to come to this show i've watched this show grow over the number of years i was here when it was at a little community center i think on the other side of downtown orlando i believe i would never be able to find it again this is a very nice venue a nice crowd i was here last night it's really filled up today so it's very very encouraging
1: well, I love walking around the floor because it's kind of watching your greatest hits. Like, all of your greatest pinball machines are out there on the floor
4: today. Well, there's a lot of pinball machines that we made. There's also I, I, a couple that we made over, over the lifetime, a uh, few uh, video games. I see a Berserk uh, there. There's so few of our video games alive still because we use an all-plywood cabinet. And it's next to a Mr. Dew. Most of our video games are now Mr. Do's or something else. It was the best cabinet for conversion. It didn't fall apart. It wasn't presswood. We've always believed in a good cabinet and a good solid product for the operator and now for the homeowner. Having said that, I don't play video games. <laughs> I, so I've, I've rarely played Berserk. I play pinball.
1: So what's your favorite pinball machine?
4: Oh, here we go. Now, you know, everybody's heard this answer before. I, I, there is a salesman in me. I uh, left uh, the factory uh, uh, a week ago to come to IAPA show here, and I looked out in the factory and saw that we were making uh, uh, Game of Thrones, so that's my favorite game. Now, if you'd asked me two months ago, three months ago, I might have said KISS, because that's what was on the line. Having said that, you know, we make three new, what we call cornerstone games a year, a pro, a limited edition, sometimes a premium, uh, and, and then sometimes evolved vault edition, so forth and so on. We continue to make those games for many years uh, thereafter. And so although I'm, we were making Game of Thrones, we have two 100-foot uh, lines now. Uh, so on the other line, we, were, you know, we're, we go in and out of uh, uh, making other titles.
1: Now I've got kind of a little bit of an off-the-wall question to ask you. How hard is it with the licensing, like getting the license to make a Game of Thrones pinball machine?
4: It's hard. It's hard. Um, It's first of all not only you know do you have to have a licensor that wants to do it, uh, and you have to have a title that makes sense throughout the world because we export half of our games, and uh, then we really need more assets. From the licensor than almost anything else even the many video games uh that they they might license certainly more than t-shirts or you know mugs or 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 uh you know a toy or what have you so it, it is it's difficult it but it's important if you uh, if you if you make a uh, a stuffed mouse as a toy you're not going to sell it unless you pay walt um and in in the Game world—that's uh, very much similar. It—it—it—it—it it, 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 it gives an initial, not only initial quarters, but if we, you know, it, it gives an initial desire, generates an initial desire from our customers all over the world. You yeah. know, tell tell uh, our uh, French customer that, that we've got uh, Game of Thrones, and here's. Three hundred thousand dollars. Send me a container. You know. Oh wow. Yeah.
1: What's your favorite part of the creative process when it comes to building a new pinball machine?
4: Oh, there, there's so many people involved in it nowadays, and and uh, I'm a little bit re- removed because of the professional staff that we have. Um, uh, and and uh, it, it, George Gomez leads a, a great staff of people. Uh, you know, we have three primary. Playfield layout designers in uh, Borgie and, and John Trudeau, and of course Steve Ritchie. We've got, uh, you know, uh, uh, lead uh, rules designers. They also code games. They're software guys. Artists uh, with Greg Ferris uh, directing the art. So there's so many people involved in it now. Back when you were
1: uh, making pinball games when you first first were starting what was one of your favorites like the first like your baby your first one where you were like I love this machine okay. this is just well, my little baby
4: well first of all when I when we started when we started where now my father was a game operator then a game distributor and in 1947 when I was two he came in to see his supplier Harry Williams you know he was a 30 Sam was a 35 year old punk kid uh, Harry was probably a um, a uh, 39-year-old punk kid. I can say that because I'm 70. Sam sat behind Harry's desk, kidding around, put his feet up on the desk and said, why don't you sell me the company? So Harry goes up in his airplane, flies around Chicago for three hours, comes down and sold my father half of Williams. The point being, when we started, well, when did we start? There was Williams, there was Stern. This particular company started as to East. Uh, In in 86, my father had died in uh, in, uh, 84. Uh, This company will be 30 years old next year in a few months. Uh, We started as Data East. We sold it with Data East as as an investor. We sold it to Sega, who uh, was their uh, uh, 20% shareholder of Data East. And then I bought it from Sega, just changing the name as we went. Same company, Data East, changed the name to Sega, changed the name to Stern. So, what was my favorite when we started back when? I was two. (laughs)
1: Okay, can you
0: you can hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. So, my main thing is like, we have something like Free Play Florida. Free Play Florida is just an amalgamation of just all generations of people growing up during the time of when arcades were the biggest thing ever, and now it's kind of having a renaissance, if you will, of these type of pinballs and arcade cabinets. Like, what is, like, for you, when it comes to Free Play Florida, what is, like, your favorite part of this uh, event like this? You
4: yeah, know, I've watched this event grow, and that's what's probably my favorite part, is to see the growth, see the people here, a lot of enthusiasts, a lot of enthusiasts with their kids, and then people who just come by. You know, some of these shows are, very professional only or professional collectors only Uh, some of them have uh, a lot of uh, uh, newbies or or people who aren't that yet connected with it and when you see the families and they see our next generation it's great I saw you know a a father and son of course the father was about my age and the son was you know uh, about uh, you know 40 or so so we have families uh, old families and we have families with small children here so it's great to see what was
0: your last uh, pinball machine that you created the m- recent one your say that again your, your most
4: recent pinball machine was the newest one that you just created that, well the company's just started making Game of Thrones so you know we're making Game of Thrones we have it here it's all it's in production we're building the limited editions right now we uh, we have a lot more pros to fill orders with we've taken orders for premium and that We'll deliver, start delivering in the second part of December. So if you need a Christmas game, you need a pro or an LE um, to have it in time for Christmas. We, uh, we're we shipping them all over the world, uh, and it's great. Now, we're also shipping Kiss, more Kiss, more Mustang, more uh, Metallica uh, wrestling, Wonelli, well, of course, I probably left one off. What's your uh, website
0: so people can order stuff from you? What is your website?
4: Oh, um, you can find our dealers on our website, which is uh, www.sternpinball.com. Hi, Dennis. Uh, he didn't hear me. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, you can see our stuff there. You can also see a list of dealers, uh, local dealers uh, for you. And you can see commercial distributors also, so and our, certainly our export uh, customers are there.
0: And uh, you can also
4: see all the games there. So, so. what
0: what's the turnaround time when someone orders a pinball machine?
4: Yeah, it's it. All depends what you know where we are. It's like any other product. We uh, you know it, it, and it depends uh, where we are in the production. Uh, uh, there may be some games that we're not building for a few months. Uh, for example, we're making some more Metallica, but those are all ordered by our dealers. They may be already sold. They may not be already sold by those dealers. We'll make more in uh, January that will be available to our dealers to sell to y'all. So it depends. Um, there's a there is a backlog. Uh, we have a we have a. a a big backlog of, of games that we're trying to build. We've just moved in May from a 40,000 to a 110,000 square foot factory to have a better chance of filling the orders in a timely basis.
0: Do you have any other questions? <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Stern, we want to appreciate you joining us uh, on the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce podcast. And we want to tell you, thank you so much. and. Everyone, go go to his website. Check out all the amazing, awesome work that his team has done. And uh, tell them at the uh, happy hour with Johnny and at you.
1: Yes. And don't forget, you can actually go see him. His Q&A is starting in just minutes over in the conference room. So go over there and check out his Q&A.
4: Thank you all very much. Thanks for uh, talking with me. And thanks, everybody, for your interest in pinball. Without that, we wouldn't be doing this. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everybody listening at home to Happy Hour with Johnny Deuce, it is my honor and privilege to introduce Graydon Clark, the famous movie director. It, it's an honor to have you on the show.
3: Thank you, but are you sure that shouldn't be infamous movie <laughs> director? <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: it, it maybe should be. Uh, I, I've got to say, as uh, part of my homework before coming to the event, Thursday night I watched Joysticks for the first time, and I've got to say, I truly, truly loved it, enjoyed it, because it captured a lot of my childhood. With the video arcades, because we don't have those now. And just the, and plus, I'd love a good kind of 80s Randy comedy. You yes. Know? So it, it, it just hit all those sweet spots for me, and it's just such an
3: amazing movie. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that more than you may know. Uh, I made the picture all the way back in 1982. It was released uh, theatrically in uh, the spring of 1983. And believe it or not, when we were first released, the first weekend, we were the number one picture at the box office in the entire United States. Wow. Wow. Congrats. And the entertainment tonight said, how did a little picture nobody ever heard of become the top grossing picture? Well, I knew the answer to that. One, it was a R-rated Randy comedy. Uh, Plenty of pretty girls and guys having fun with each other and uh, the parents were the bad guys and the whole thing was set in a video arcade. And in those days, if you wanted to play video games, you couldn't sit in front of a screen at your home or on your phone or something. You had to go to a video arcade. And there were about 18,000 video arcades spread across the United States. Almost uh, every strip mall had a video arcade. So, uh, I I came up with the idea to do a movie based in a video arcade. Frankly, because I was was, uh, uh, attending a screening of uh, the picture I had done just previous to this, a picture called Wacko, which was a comedy horror spoof. And uh, we were test uh, marketing it in San Antonio, Texas. So I was down there to check to see what the audience reaction would be. I walked into a multiplex theater of, I don't know, a half a dozen, eight or ten screens. And I looked over to my right in the lobby, and there was a a line of at least a dozen or so young men standing in line. And I thought, what are they doing, giving free popcorn away? What's going on over there? So I walked over, and uh, it's the first video game that I ever had seen. And the guys were standing with quarters in their hands, hoping that the guy in front of them would lose so they could play the game. I think there were two of them sitting in the, in the corner there of the lobby. And it just hit me immediately. Wow, I could make a movie based in a video arcade, uh, make a teen comedy. Uh, i I very, very lucky in my career. I directed 20 different features and uh, by coincidence joysticks was my tenth right in the middle
1: oh
0: wow awesome
3: and uh uh, so i got back to los angeles where i was based out of and uh, i started looking for video arcades and i found that in the la area there was a dozen or so the next week i looked there was uh, two dozen and the next week there was three dozen it was growing and growing and growing and I became more and more convinced that I could make a, an entertaining, fun movie that would capture what it was like to go to a video arcade. So I, uh, myself and a couple of other guys started writing a script. And uh, I wanted the parents to be the bad guys and the kids, of course, to be the heroes. And I thought, well, there were already articles uh, beginning to be, appear in magazines. In fact, Pac-Man uh, was on the cover of Time magazine. And uh, there was mentions, uh, mentionings in the articles about how some of the parents were objecting to the amount of time that the kids spent in the video arcade. So I came up with the concept that the parents were trying to close down the video arcade. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and of course the kids objected and and uh, there there's your conflict. And uh, in a movie or in a story, you need obviously characters that people are interested in and can relate to and can maybe laugh at or have fun with and you also need conflict and then eventually resolution so I had my conflict and obviously the resolution was going to be that the kids were victorious in the end so anyhow uh, we finished the script and uh, when I was finished with the script I realized that I had a problem and that is if you if you realize, and I'm sure most of your listeners do, what a video game is in a video arcade, it's uh, a machine with a with a with a uh, video screen that is probably, I don't know, 10 inch by 10 inch, something like that, and the and the player is hunched over it. And I thought that's not visual at all. How can I make the picture be be visual? I'm I'm looking here, and we just sold our last copy joysticks. of joysticks dvd congratulations nice. congrats i should have brought more i still have some online available but i i didn't realize how big this really would be down here in florida but anyhow i'm sorry to get off track there for a moment no
1: but speaking of that while we're on that before yeah, you go please. where can they find your dvds online yeah. so our listeners
3: can buy them sure. Well, you can find everything that you ever wanted in your entire life at GraydonClark.com.
1: and also you're an author
3: I am, thank you for mentioning. Uh, I have a, a, an autobiography that I've just completed. It's called On the Cheap, My Life in Low Budget Filmmaking. And I was very, very fortunate that I made 20 features in about a 25-year period, one basically right after another. And as I mentioned earlier, Joysticks was right in the middle, the 10th tenth, tenth picture. So anyhow, to come back to how I created the Film itself, uh, I had this problem that it, it was a small screen that the kids would be playing with. So this is before they had big screen, even big screen TVs. And I thought, what if I had? Because in the in the film, there's uh, a guy, a character named King Vidiot, who's kind of a punk rock video player, and he's he's not really a bad guy, but but he doesn't. Uh, he likes to fight and he likes to get in arguments with people and so forth. So so he's he's one of the negative characters in the film. And, of course, our good guy. Uh, and he then had to play a contest, several contests throughout the film. And uh, I needed a way to have an audience be cheering on the good guy and booing the bad guy and still let the audience see the going, what was going on with the game itself. So I came up with this idea of, what if we had a, a projected image of the of the uh, game going on, and I had it raised so an audience could be standing and the players would be three or four feet above them. And, and the players would have a great big joystick the size of maybe a volleyball with the buttons on it and so forth. Then they would move it back and forth. And uh, that would allow two things. It would allow our audience of our characters in the film that were in the video arcade cheering on their their uh, friends that they wanted to win and also the viewing audience for the movie to be able to see what was going on. <clears throat> so we, we developed that and because it was a low budget, uh, uh, my autobiography is called On the Cheap, my life in low budget filmmaking, because it was a low budget I thought, well, I'll just rent a video arcade and shoot in there. So I started going to video arcades, and none of them would even consider renting out the space. I needed it for about three weeks, and they were afraid that their customers would, if go I had to close arcade. down, they'd go down the street to the next one. So I had to build the set of the video arcade, and I got together with my art director, and we we devised a tri-level... Uh, set so that again I could shoot on different levels and see various activities going anyhow we finished the picture uh, as I say we, actually it was probably late 1982 we finished it I did a test screening in uh, in uh, Texas what the hell town was it in Texas, Fort Worth no El Paso sorry in el paso texas and we tested it for a week and it set records and everybody said oh my god what do we have here well what we had was a picture that i knew the kids were going to like so two and a half three weeks later we opened nationally and as i mentioned earlier we were the number one picture congratulations on that i know johnny wasn't
1: able to be at the q a we did the other night but i want you to tell the story of you calling uh the creators of pac-man so you could use pac-man the movie because this is the greatest
3: story i've ever heard well thank you i don't know if it's the greatest story
1: i think it's very entertaining
3: (laughs) anyhow what happened is this as i said pac-man was on the cover of time magazine and it was it was a huge uh, commercial and a success and cultural uh phenomenon and naturally i wanted to put the pac-man on in my movie but that's all copyrighted stuff, so I had to get permission. So I contacted uh, uh, Midway in San Jose, California. I was based in Los Angeles, and I was very concerned. I mean, they could have said to me, sure, put it in. It's a million dollars. And therefore, I couldn't make the movie because I had $300,000 total for the movie. So I called them, and I said, you know, I'm Graydon Clark. I'm going to make a movie. And luckily, one of the executives had... Uh, heard of me at least? He'd seen some of my films, so they took the call, and the guy said to me, "How much would you charge us to put uh, Pac-Man in?" And I said, "Well, no, I wouldn't charge you. I want to help promote Pac-Man, as if (laughs) as if they needed my promotion." So I hopped on the literally the 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 first plane the next morning, got to San Jose, and we signed signed papers right then, allowing me to use the Pac-Man character. In my film, then I said to them, I said, "Look, in in the they they didn't read the script, they didn't care about any of that, they just wanted Pac-Man in it." I said to them, in the uh, script, there are several scenes of contests between uh, game players, and one of them, and of course the the last one is going to be Ms. Pac-Man, which is your 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 biggest thing right now. Oh yeah. And I said, but, but there's another very important one. Do you have a game coming out in six months or so that you would like to promote? And they said, oh, yeah, we've got a great game. It's going to be bigger than Pac-Man. It's called Satan's Hollow. So I said, well, I'll use that, which I did. Now, Satan's Hollow, I'm here looking at, I don't know how many hundreds, maybe a thousand or more. Games and I've been searching for a Satan's Hollow. I haven't, haven't been able to one. find one. No, no. So it, it it was not the success, but it worked well in our film. And uh, I got the right to use the Pac-Man uh, not only in the game, but I used it kind of. is a, a technical term in film when you go from one scene to another. Oftentimes, it's a dissolve or something. I used the Pac-Man character to wipe across the screen as if it was chewing the entire scene in the film uh, and, and you know luckily the film was successful and I was able to continue making films which is really all I ever wanted to do uh, obviously I wanted to have the biggest success I could have but I was happy if I could uh, make one film after another and I consider myself to be the luckiest guy in the world because all of my adult life I did nothing but make movies lucky me uh. <laughs> Do you do
0: you play games at all
3: or did you ever You choose? know something I I my kids are great game players I mean uh, yeah. you know as you can well imagine but uh, myself I started playing the games when I when I built the set had the set built for the movie I obviously rented I don't know 30 40 50 whatever it was machines and and I said to the crew I said now look guys when we're done filming when we wrap if you want to hang around and play go ahead that's fine but no playing during while we're working guess who continued went over to pac-man and constantly was playing Me. I <laughs> oh, got <wow>. hooked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so so i would say to my assistant director after we'd staged the scene usually what happens in film you stage the scene and then the the crew people begin to fill in lights and bring in dollies or whatever the case may be and there's usually a 15 20 minute break at least sometimes much longer depending on the complexity of the scene so i said i'll be at that machine over there in the corner when you're ready come and get me (laughs) that's awesome i mean i think it's
0: really i think it's really exciting because something like free Play florida it kind of helps champion games and champion like it's like a i don't know amalgamation of all walks of life people of all ages are here and i think that's what's special about this convention this this Free Play Florida and someone like you that had a chance to kind of be in that world for a while at the arcade like I think it's pretty a magical experience for you to see all these people that are just kind of experiencing something that you had pretty much had a hand in the pop culture market by being able to kind of display that uh, on the uh, silver screen
3: well you know when I I look at the people walking around everybody has a smile on their face because they, they enjoy the opportunity to many of them relive their youth because uh, these games, uh, well, as I said, I made the picture in 1982. <clears throat> these, these games have been around for, what is that, 30 years or so. And, uh, excuse me, been around for 30 years or so. And uh, uh, everybody seems to enjoy themselves and uh it, it really is good i i can tell that people are having a good time
1: and i like seeing that they, everybody here with their kids it's really nice to see the fathers and sons and the, hopefully we didn't have that at the movie screening last night that might not have been a good father son movie but
3: <laughs> well the 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 uh, uh promoters of this have done a wonderful job and they they have little stands that the kids little kids can yeah. pick up and carry with them so they can put it in front of a machine and stand on the stand to get high enough to play the game. It's terrific.
0: Well, we really appreciate your time uh, on the Happy Hour Johnny and Deuce. Once again, it's GraydonClark.com. They can go to your website, check out your your movies, check out your merchandise and all that. Your book as well is available on your website? Oh, yeah, sure. So what's your book again, one more time?
3: uh, I I have my book, which is called On the Cheap, My Life in Low-Budget Filmmaking. And the the way I wrote the book is... uh, It's not really about my life, but it's about my life in low-budget filmmaking. And I took uh, each of the 20 films I did, plus I did a couple of television things, and I I examined each film as to where the concept came from and where the uh, uh, screenplay then came from, then the financing and the pre-production where you do casting and wardrobe and locations, then the production itself, then the post-production with the music and the editing and sound effects and so on. And then uh, on to the distribution. And I wrote the book in screenplay format because I've written so many screenplays over the years. People had come to me for, for years saying, Graydon, you really should write an autobiography. You've done all these movies. People are interested. And I, I was reluctant to do it. But a couple of years ago, my son said to me, Dad, you got to do it. You got to do it. So I all right, all right. So I sat down and I began to write it in traditional autobiographical format. And I found myself slipping into screenplay format because I'd written so many screenplays. So I thought, well, wait a minute. I'm writing about movies and how they're made. Why not actually write it as if it were a screenplay? So that's what I did. And the the response to it has been terrific. And you can get it at GraydonClark.com. Along with posters and DVDs and photos and things of that nature.
0: And that's dot com. Check it out. Tell him the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Sir, we really appreciate your time, taking your time out of your busy schedule to come out and uh, talk with us. Thank, Thank you so you. much.
3: It's been a lot of fun. Thanks very much. Thank you us Mr. Clark. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce live from Free Play Florida. Don't forget, you can follow us on the Internet at HH podcast show on Twitter as well as well as on facebook.com forward slash happy hour podcast show and then of course all of our main hosting is soundcloud.com forward slash happy hour podcast but don't forget we're also on iTunes and Stitcher so please give us a five-star review tell us what you think leave us a comment and then, of course, we're going to be doing a mailbag episode soon. Send us a line, hhpodcastshow at gmail.com. And remember, when you're talking about the happy hour of Johnny and Deuce, there's not one, not two, but three hashtags you want to put in your social media of choice. It is hashtag Happy hour Podcast, hashtag hhpodcastshow, and, of course, hashtag Deuce is on the loose. Later.